Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. And you're listening to another episode of Hugh I Do, the podcast brought to you by your favorite cousins on the bright side. another episode of Hugh I Do, the podcast that is going to tell you exactly what your wedding planner does and does not do. We have a very, very lovely and special guest with us today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you. I'm Kawani Wooten. A lot of people in the industry refer to me as Kay. But, you know, in honor of my mother, we're going to say Kawania. And my company is Howerton Wooten Events. And we're based here in Bowie, Maryland, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. We are so glad to have you on. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell us how long you've been in the industry. It's a question we love to ask our guests. Well, in the event planning industry, I've been around a very long time, since the early 90s. I started weddings in 2007. I used to work in the cable television industry and a couple of publicists had asked me to help them with their weddings. And I figure if I can keep a publicist happy, I might be on to something. And so when I started my business in 2007, I added weddings to the mix. So I would say 16 years in the weddings world. I love that. We have been so lucky to have veterans on the show this season I feel like like those that have been in the game for like 10 plus years Mm -hmm. so I love that especially seeing black wedding professionals that have been around for so long and are still Mm -hmm. around I Mm -hmm. think that's awesome well thank you it's funny I had that conversation earlier today about you know that it's not an easy industry especially I've seen the evolution of it where we couldn't even get, I mean, this is pre-podcast, this is pre-magazines for brides and grooms of color, mm-hmm. uh, where we couldn't even get people to return our phone calls when we would have a beautiful wedding because people assumed that we didn't have pretty weddings. Yeah, And it took things like Munalucci or Be Collective or some of the other magazines that came and went over time and social media, blogs, and things like that for people to recognize that our weddings are not just as pretty, they're probably prettier. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, over the years, what I see are non-wedding vendors of color stealing all our ideas, like we're not used to that, Mm -hmm. uh, and taking them and making them their own because we are much more the trendsetters. Oh, yeah. Always have been is just that we didn't have the platform to showcase our work. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, even from the style to the aesthetics to mm-hmm. you know, starting to see, oh, we're having all of our guests wear a certain color. I'm like, oh, we've been doing that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we've been <Yeah>. requesting that, <laughs> you know, not even just with weddings, events in general. So right. Yeah. <laughs> we can definitely agree there. That's one of the reasons why we created Hugh I Do. Yes. We didn't hear ourselves in the podcast space, so we wanted to fix yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're super excited to have you on. Hugh Boo's listeners know that this is another part of our Get Somebody Else to Do It series. So, yes, we would have loved to have started it off with the wedding planner, but you know what? We're starting off the new year with the episode with a wedding planner and the wedding coordinator and all of those thoughts that you need to know as you are navigating, whether it's the researching process or maybe you have your planner and you aren't necessarily sure what you should maybe ask them versus Mm. one of your other lovely members of your vendor team. So you are going to get us all together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, your planner is your advocate. Your, your planner is what I call your front man, the Mm -hmm. person who is your advanced team. And, And I'm from DC. That jargon automatically comes out that way. But, you know, automatically you should ask your planner first and they can guide you. If that is not something they do, they can guide you to a vendor who can help you carry out a specific task. But that that knowledge base 
is going to be your planner. They not only know how things should get done, but they know they have contacts, the old school Rolodex, that that list of people that they can call for anything. And um, so you should, without the expectation that your planner is going to be your jack of all trades, going to do everything, they're definitely going to be your guide, your touchstone. And that's how you should use them first and foremost is that person who can direct you in the right direction. And that doesn't matter. You know, people will say, oh, well, that's full service. No, even if you hire a planner for month of, most even month of coordinators will still give you direction because nobody wants to walk into mess. And and if that means I can give you some advice on a, you know, oh, let me just tell you, here's a vendor that you can call and it doesn't cost us more than five minutes. Most, I'd say 99% of the planners are going to give you that advice so that they're not, especially when it comes to a vendor that affects our portfolio, then not give you that advice. There are some people who are sticklers. They won't give you any advice unless you pay for it. But most of us are looking at this further than just this is what you, you know, that moment, that scope. We're thinking, how is it going to affect me in the long run? That was great. But before we dive into our conversation, we're going to play a quick game of this or that, which is everyone's favorite game um, that we play every single episode. So Miss Kawania, we're going to let you go first. And then Tania, it'll be your turn. Then we'll circle back around to me. We're going to do a quick two rounds. So just to kind of start, would you prefer, and you can think of this, whether you're, you know, it's your wedding that you're planning, or you can think from your angle more so from the vendors at um, Tania, just pretend it's your wedding. <laughs> but would you prefer the wedding planner that also offers design services, or would you prefer the wedding planner that offers rentals? Design services. Okay. Why so? I think uh, rentals requires um, a very different list of services that are, that are involved, mm-hmm. and I want you to focus on the service of it all. And while wedding planners are creative, they can be both the wedding planner and the wedding designer. Mm-hmm. I think once you start dipping into so many other areas, unless you've created an empire, because a wedding planner is like a general contractor. So if a wedding planner is providing you a service and being able to look at the big picture, then somebody on their team should be offering the rentals. Like I said, a general contractor, because if I'm offering the rentals, that means that I'm the general contractor, the electrician, the carpenter, all these different things at the same time. I am not going to kill it. I'm not going to do a good job for you. Mm. I need to hone those skills, use my creativity and delegate that. So unless you have a service where there's a solid team that's offering the rentals, don't do it. You know, creativity that falls into what we already do. Design falls in most wedding planners have beautiful homes because they deck, you know, design comes naturally to them. But when you start heading into rentals or maybe even if you did something like a photo booth or all these other things, what you're doing is piling on services, which is fine, but there should be other people doing them. So just design. Sounds a really great answer. (laughs) I would want to go with the wedding planner who also designs, you know, they're going to be with me hopefully the entire year. Of course, like we would have a conversation in the very beginning, but then she could also be able to translate my ideas into the vision because, you know, like we as brides, we, we have all these ideas, but we don't know how to put it all together. And so I kind of feel like the wedding planner who is experienced, they you know, know how to put it together and not let it be all over the place, you know? So yeah, that is true. Mm -hmm. Now I agree with both of you. I would probably opt for the planner with the design services too, because also I noticed and kind of went through that when I was planning, when I didn't have a full understanding of what the wedding planner did, I already assumed that they would handle design. When kind of doing the research, you learn that some do have a design arm and then some may be able to help you 
figure out what your design needs are, um, but they're not necessarily the ones that are going to be bust, you know, putting it together and all of that. They're selecting or helping me select a vendor partner that is that designer or that decorator that will come in and kind of take my vision up a notch or, you know, they can also articulate what I can't. So we're all on the same page there. Yeah, you said something, if you don't mind, I'd love <laughs> that you had an excellent point. There are some wedding planners where their skill is logistics and they are masters at it, but design isn't their thing. So yes, you are going to have some wedding planners who can run your wedding in their sleep, but design isn't their thing, but they know who they can connect you with to, to provide you with those design services. You're right. I should have mentioned that. Thank you for that though. I mean, I already know me. I'll go on into another tangent and Tanio say like wrap it up. So I will save it because I'm sure it will come up <laughs> throughout the episode. All right. So second round, and this is again, thinking of your potential wedding planner or the wedding planner that you're um, working with. So would you prefer to have a consultation prior to being booked or would you prefer the consultation to occur after the booking? So this is more of just kind of like getting to know the client, the budget, the vision, the goals, all of the things. Would you prefer that to occur before or after? Before, definitely before. Mm -hmm. There should be onboarding after, but before your wedding planner is probably, as, as Tonia was saying, is going to be with you probably more than any other wedding vendor over the next year. And if the chemistry isn't there, it's going to feel like dog years. So you want to make sure that it's not just chemistry, but that you feel a level of comfort with that person. And you're not going to get that if you don't have a solid conversation with them and talk and see where, and make sure that you, you just jive. You know, um, I have some people that I thought I'm positive I would have booked them. But the minute we started talking, I thought, oh, we are not gelling at all. And I can tell that if we're not gelling now, it's going to be bumpy and awkward and weird uh, through the rest of the process. And that's important for both sides. When a couple is interviewing a planner, the planner should be interviewing the couple at the same time. Both parties should be making sure that this is a good fit. This is an important day for the client. And we don't want to take that lightly by just assuming just because we can do the services, we can take excellent care of them. It's so much bigger than that. I, I know Tani and I can agree. With mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I agree with that because... I mean, the consultation should be done in the very beginning, you know? Um, I mean, like, not only are you interviewing the wedding planner, but the wedding planner is also interviewing you. You said it has to be a great fit because we will be, you know, talking about the wedding and talking about other things, you know, for a full year. And so um, you want to have that relationship with you, planner. They're the ones that advocate for you. They're Mm -hmm. the ones that you should feel comfortable with giving them your wedding dreams and your wedding vision and what you want, because they're the ones that know how to make it a reality. So yeah, I 100% agree. And we have personal conversations with our couples. So it isn't just planning. Sometimes Mm -hmm. conversations get deep and you want to feel comfortable sharing that with someone who uh, you have a good relationship with, that you have good communication with. And and it's not that you, you're going to have to tell your wedding planner all your business, but sometimes we see more than most vendors. We're going to see your family dysfunction sometimes. We will see your inner relationship with your fiance. We're going to be talking about your money with you. So we're really technically all up in your business. And you want to make sure that, that you and that person jive well if you're going to be doing all of that. So, yeah. I was going to mention that sometimes there are therapists. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Most wedding planners know that we should just go ahead and get our degree. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
that was too funny. Well, we're all basically on the same page there, so we can just go straight into the conversation. I'll kick us off. Basically, as I mentioned, there's so much that the wedding planner does, but some of it is not necessarily your responsibility. It's somebody else's. So just as kind of a level set, you gave us a little bit to start, but if someone just were to go up to you and ask, what does a wedding planner do? What would you say? You know, I would, like I said before, um, we're your advocates, but it is, you know, our job to take what you bring to the table, your expectations, your money, your dreams, and your style to us. And we're supposed to help you take that and create a wedding, uh, an overall wedding experience for you. And wedding planner should be organized enough to, I mean, well, it should be your expectation that your wedding planner is organized enough to, to not just look at the big picture of your wedding, but to be able to look at all, make sure they account for all those teeny tiny details that are involved because there's hundreds of them. And so you want someone who's organized because first and foremost, your wedding planner is your project manager. They're the ones who are going to take this big task, this wedding planning task, and break it up into little tasks and um, divvy it out to who it needs to go to. But then they're also, like I said, that think of them like a general contractor, they're overseeing all the other vendors. We're not telling, I tell people all the time, think of us like an orchestra conductor. We're not telling vendors how to do their job. We're just making sure everybody does it well and harmoniously, if that's a word. Not that I made it up, but it's that because we want to make sure there's no no shenanigans, no nonsense on site, that everybody shows up and that they're professional and we they have everything they need. That's our job. We are most wedding planners are fully aware that our job relies on everybody else doing their job well. Because we can be amazing and leave no crumbs on the table, but if the photographer shows up an hour late it still comes back to us. So we want to make sure everybody has everything that they need to carry out their job. We want to make sure that um, everybody is in place to work well. And that's where we come in to advocate for you. So I'd say first, we're project managers. Two, we're advocates. And three, then we're your designers. We're helping you to create this beautiful day, not just the physical um, experience though. It's that emotional experience. It should be something that feels seamless and not, uh, where we're walking around looking like we working at a Janet Jackson concert, yelling orders back at each other or something. It should feel like people walked in and they're like, gosh, this feels great. Can't put my finger on it, but I'm having this great time. That's what you want your wedding planner to be and do. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us. What are some responsibilities I would say like an event designer would do that a wedding planner or an event coordinator may not do? Sure. You know, um, so, you know, you'll see a lot of people post on social media, wedding planners and wedding designers aren't the same thing. And I tend to disagree. A lot of times they aren't, but every now and then, not every now and then, more than likely they are. Wedding planners may start off as just straight logistics experts, and then they'll grow that design ability. Some people are just incredibly creative and come in with that skill. Designers are coming in to take um, not uh, your 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 dreams, your expectations, and that people automatically think of flowers, but it's more than just flowers. It should be the food, um, the music, where they're working with everybody to make sure all of this plays well with each other. Uh, They are making sure that they use their design skills to make sure your guests feel comfortable. Because, you know, you can have a beautiful table, but if you didn't use your math, do the math right, everybody can be uncomfortable. You've been to a wedding where everybody's trying to eat and their arms are all squished together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I'm big on the math. And my team, one of my team members just said the other day, Kwania, look, this table is fine. We could get this many chairs. And I'm like, yeah, but you're forgetting about elbows. And there's nothing worse. Or 
if you don't mat um when you're just determining the design with the food, making sure that you determine what people will want to eat during a certain time, what experience you want people. When I just, I was right before I came on, was helping somebody create a French inspired meal. So then I automatically thought about French service. Like, well, if that's the case, then we should serve this food differently. You know, you know what was that show? Uh, America's Next Top Model. Tyra Banks used yeah. to always model all the way to the ends of your fingertips, right? That's what a wedding design should be. It should be all the way to the end of the fingertips, not just a nice table setting. It should be that the table linen is the right size, that the room is set properly. That's what designers do. A planner may not do that. A planner may just focus on the logistics, making sure that all the, all the tasks um, have been completed. The boxes have been checked. Everybody's been informed what they do, but it may stop there. If they're not the designer, they're not going to take it to where they're always thinking of how will this affect people in the experience mindset of, of um, food, music, smell is becoming a big thing. Touch I love a good velvet and then just how things look. So all of those things are where designers fall and where the planner may stop or they may overlap. It all depends on what that planner said they do in addition to planning. Yeah, experience is huge these days, you know, because you can have a beautiful room and beautiful, you know, decor. But if, you know, if the wedding planner was like barking at people or like yelling or, you know, like doing these things and it's, you know, then everyone's going to remember, well, hmm, you know, everything was beautiful, but this is what was going on. Right. So, you know, so yes, you were absolutely right. Experience is 100%. And so, yeah. And you mentioned something very key. That's the key. Two things there. An experienced planner knows how to get people to do what they need to do without barking orders at them. My husband calls me the gentle steamroller where I, um, after it's over, you'd be like, I just told her I didn't want to do that. And so <laughs> here I am. And, um, but I probably poured a ton of sugar. I probably touched your shoulder while I was telling you the 50th time to take care of something for me. I'm going to be smiling. And that's not just me. This is what experienced planners learn to do. And so when I deal with, when I'm working in a church and they're like, oh, the last planner, I'm like, well, you know, it's not a skill everybody gets or the skill of getting a drunk wedding party to listen to them is not easy. And it takes time. It takes, um, I always tell people it's like the equivalent. I mean, and it's no disrespect, but of managing kindergartners where you, you got to get them to do what you want to do, but you can't yell at them. They're going to start crying. They're going to tell their parents that you were yelling. Have <laughs> to figure out ways to get people to do what we need to do in a timely manner without people walking away. Like your wedding was great, but that wedding planner. And we're also very mindful that, as you said, how we address your guests is a part of the overall experience too. We, you know, people paid a lot of money to come to a wedding and it's a big investment. The last thing I want them to do is walk away feeling like, man, I, that girl talked to me like I was a child or like I wasn't anything, you know, no, I, that I all, and an experienced planner also understands that their clientele, the stakeholders are far past the couple. It's the parents, it's the aunties, it's the uncles. If somebody gave $50 just to help the near stakeholder, we got to treat them like gold and make them feel special that other vendors are stakeholders. So because, you know, and that's how we get to be the gentle steamrollers is because people are like, let me do it for her. And an experienced planner is not above a greasing a palm every now and then. I mean, look, I need you to move that. Here's a 20. Could you just get that taken care of for me? I'll tell you a quick funny. The mother left the father at the hotel and nobody realized it until it was time for the bride to walk down the aisle. <laughs> Who knew, right? <laughs> and I remember saying to the mom, where's your husband? And she says, oh, he's at the hotel. 
I thought somebody else was going to bring him. I told him to stay here. And I turned to the sister who was driving a limo and I said, look, here's 40 bucks. I need you to get there as quickly as possible and get him back here. And the dad said, she was driving so fast. I was sliding from side to side in the back of that limo. And I'm thinking in my head, she did what I needed her to do. <laughs> so, you know, but that, that is, that's just understanding that we got to get the job done. And there's more than one way to skin a cat. I can't yell at the limo driver. She gonna all of a sudden make every light. And I'm, and you know, because just because I yelled at her, no, I need her to be an ally. And so that is the key to an experienced planner as knowing how to get people to do, especially in all the crazy, um, what you need them to do in a quick amount of time. I think that's the difference between a planner and a designer or some things that designers would do. Yeah. 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 What are some responsibilities that that people think you should do, but are generally done by the venue manager? Mm. That's a big one. (laughs) I will tell you the first one is planners should not be handling food or beverages. We don't come with food handling licenses. We don't have serve safe, you know, certificates. And so when I hear a planner say, oh, I was cutting the cake. One, I know she was new because she did, you know, she got roped into it. And I'm like, baby, but you have to have a license to be slicing cake and serving people. Do you, you know, did you have on gloves? What were you, how did you practice? And that's something the venue manager shouldn't even be doing it, but the venue manager will bring the caterer in or the banquet staff and make sure they do it. So that's number one. Number two, anything that has to do with managing the actual venue, that's the venue manager's job. Now, when you hear somebody say, oh, I'm not getting a planner because the venue has a planner. My thing is I go back to the original thing. Your wedding planner is your advocate. They're the ones who are making sure that your expectations are carried out, that that whatever you were wanting for your wedding day is carried out. The venue will do, manager will do their best to do that, but understand the venue is their priority. The venue first. So if anything comes down between the venue and the couple, the venue manager is going to be on the side of the venue. So I tell people all the time, you're investing way too much money to be second fiddle when it comes to all of the tasks that are carried out. So first and foremost, the venue. Second, food and beverages. The planner shouldn't touch that. Anything to do related to security. The venue manager works with security. And it seems so utilitarian, like, oh my goodness, we're talking about wedding planning. How are we talking about security? Well, there's so many players involved that you should be working with the venue manager to know who was responsible for what if something goes down. You can be the lead in a, in a crisis, but the venue manager should be your ally for that venue. And that's who they should be working with um, to make sure that people are parking their cars. Who's handling that? There's a lost and found. Who's handling that? If somebody gets hurt or sick, what is the protocol for the venue? So those are the conversations that planners have with venues to make sure those areas are carried out. Planner takes care of everything, but when it comes to anything venue related, it's the venue. Planners take care of everything they're hired for. Let me clarify that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. I had no idea about the, um, about the food and handling. Sometimes no one wants to touch the cake. And so of course, to stay on time, you know, the planner may come in and like, okay, well, let's, you know, go ahead and, you know, (laughs) let's pass a knife over to the couple, have them, you know, make the first slice and, you know, go from there. And a planner can help with that. Uh They can the couple. They can guide the couple to make that first slice, but uh-huh. the venue person should be right there with them mm. so that they can take over that cake from there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because let's say, let's say somebody gets, you know, a bunch of your guests get food poisoning to the point that affects their job. Now, as a planner, if you were involved in that, now you've made your company liable. And if it ever got to something 
to a point where you know so you're getting sued or whatever the first thing they're going to ask the planner is do you have a food handling license no well guess who's up there to get sued right there in the middle of that the planner even if that cake had something in it that made everybody sick the planner is the one who wasn't licensed to touch it wow so make yourself liable right there yeah you can definitely help the couple cut the cake mm -hmm. that's and as far as you go and you should not be serving drinks because if the again the liquor license is the venue or the caterer not the planner and i see i've heard way too many stories of planners sweeping up at the end of the night or cleaning up or this is a big one steaming dresses planner should not be and i see this way too often if i'm if my couple my bride spend five ten thousand dollars um, on a dress, why am I going to take some $24 steamer to it? No, no, no. Let a professional do that. Get your dress professionally steamed a couple of days before the wedding, and then you bring it and then let it air out overnight. No, no, no. A planner, why put yourself at that risk? What if you do what if you do something crazy to that dress? The same goes for bridesmaids' dresses. That's where we plan it. You know, I'm an Enneagram one. And I'd say most planners are probably Enneagram ones. We're people pleasers. We wanna, we want everybody to be happy. We wanna do the best job. But the challenge is in our quest to make everybody happy, we're putting our company in jeopardy. So no, there are things planners definitely shouldn't do mm -hmm. and leave to the professionals in that area. That was yeah. really good advice. Well, like, I feel like there are many brides who feel very entitled and they're mm -hmm. just like, I'm paying my wedding planner good money. So they need to do everything, you know, no matter what. And that's not the case. Yeah. And you think about it and you've all probably seen that video where the planner hung the dress on the sprinkler. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Mm -hmm. You know, and I thought to myself, Lord, that poor baby, she didn't know. And now she's probably out of business and 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 whatever else she's out of and she probably hung that dress up there and you know truth be told that's why you're starting to see more and more bridal stylists because they know how to steam the dress see they got the skills they got the right equipment they would even bring in the home rack or the dress form or something so that the dress can be hung properly because when we get into those areas that we don't know, we're putting, we're not only putting our business in jeopardy, we're putting the couple's wedding in jeopardy. And, and so you may have somebody that says, I pay my planner to do this, but what you don't want to say is I pay my planner all this and my wedding was ruined. So let's, you know, and I've never been a fan of the phrase, stay in your own lane. What I would rather say is understand where your skills lie and let other people who have the skills, the better skills to manage it, manage it. And that way, you know, people got your back. Yeah. And the beauty of a venue, talking about the difference, they all have dry cleaners and in, in-house or that they can access. So if push come to shove, even if the day of you're like, this dress is something happened, it's so wrinkled, they can probably bring somebody up from housekeeping to help you with the dress more so than the planner using that little plastic $20 steamer on that five ten thousand dollars dress. You so, were absolutely correct. Yeah. So that's the difference there. Sorry, I went a long way around, didn't I? Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, that was really good information. Like, I think all of our brides that are listening needed that information because a lot of them don't know, you know, and they just assume that, hey, my wedding planner, because they see TV, you know, you know, mm -hmm. the wedding planner and all this other stuff or whatever. And she was out there, you know, like actually sewing dress together or, you know, like, I'm like actually like sewing buttons and stuff like that. And I mean, honestly, at, at my wedding, some of the grooms, uh, their buttons popped off and, you know, they had to go in. <laughs> I mean, like my photographer jumped in and, and then also my planner, they all jumped in and started to sew, but actually that wasn't their job. So <laughs> Now, sewing to me is a different skill. If I have to sew a button on, mm -hmm. there's see, most of us still got that skill. Some of us have that skill, but we can come in and help. Steaming, putting hot water on a dress, on a silk gown, totally different area. And I will Not tell sure. you, 
here in D.C., a bride's aunt made all the bridesmaids' dresses, right? There were, she did a horrible job, horrible, and, and then ended up one dress short on top of it. And they didn't get their dresses to the morning of the wedding. Yeah. So it just so happened the wedding planner majored in fashion design. She took one of the table linens and made a dress for that last bridesmaid. See, again, understanding the skills that you bring to the table. She could do that. I don't have fashion designer skills. I'm only thing I can do at a table in it is put it on a table. I am not going to be able to stitch it up and whip up a dress. That planner became a rock star, of course. Everybody was talking about it because she could use that skill to do it. But if you don't have the skill, don't try to do something like that. Sad to say, but mm. but yeah. So, but that to me is different. If you can bring that type of skill to the table, but not all planners. of your planners don't have a fashion design degree and they can make a dress out of a tablecloth and it's presentable. Yeah. So that is understanding and knowing that your people pleasing can put a lot of people in a pickle. Basically we got to work on that. Yeah. Well, what about the officiant? Anything that maybe they assume that you would handle, but is actually the officiant's duties. You know, I would say that's an excellent question. I remember, I remember the years, 2016, where the officiant came from out of town. And in DC, you can get a, if you're an officiant and you submit your information, you can pretty much get licensed to marry people in DC. But what people neglect to understand is that the rules in every area for marriage licenses are different. And I handed the marriage license over to the couple's officiant at the end of the night. And I didn't give him any instruction because didn't think, thought he'd figure it out. And he didn't. And it caused a couple, a lot of paperwork. And the couple was actually upset with me, not their officiant, because they thought I should have explained it to him because I'm local and he wasn't. Even though in my head, I'm like, but I'm the planner and he's the officiant, right? So what I have managed to do um, over time now is create a process with our officiant, with any officiant that we work with, where I'd say, okay, I keep the marriage license. Here's a copy of it so you know there is one. And as soon as the wedding's over, we have them sign it. But we do not get involved in the process of creating the ceremony of counseling. Uh, we give a little counseling every now and then when things get a little hairy, but we, we leave that to the officiant. And then at the rehearsal, I'm always very clear to the officiant that we're partners. My job is to get the couple down the aisle. And then once they're down the aisle, they take over. And when they finish, I get them back up the aisle. When we understand our clear boundaries, then we're not stepping on each other's toes. I didn't understand that in the beginning. And so I would have officiants who would start right off the bat trying to plan, you know, manage the whole processional and recessional. And then it's taking forever because once it's not clear that people don't understand their roles, then the wedding party starts to chime in. And then next thing you know, it's an hour later. So I'm very clear and I meet with the officiant in advance. And it's not, and I say this again, it's a gentle steamroller of this is, this is what I do. My, and I always make sure they understand I respect their role 100%, but my goal is to get them down the aisle. Your job is to marry them. And when I know that and they know that, we can work well together if they need, you know, but I also make sure they have all the details they need. But my job has nothing to do with actually marrying a couple. Now, because of the scenario that I had in 2016, though, I come with a self-addressed stamped envelope to mail that piece for DC, which I don't even think that's the rule now since post-COVID, but I would mail it. I'd take a picture of me sticking it in the mailbox because I was just so anxious about being called for something that was somebody else's job. But the, the officiant 
is purely for a married couple and not planning the wedding or the rehearsal for that matter. That makes a lot of sense. And that definitely, I love whenever we get that, like that little nugget that occurs where the vendor now does this one thing because they have this one moment, this one time, this one wedding where this happened and they're like, never again, just in case. Now everything's electronic, so I don't have to mail in a lot of things. What I do find that, again, the planner is the subject matter expert. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that means that because some officiants where they've been the pastor, the church or the couple's advisor forever, never officiate wedding. And so we find that sometimes we'll have to talk them through it. We're still very clear this is their job this whole process, but we may have to talk them through it of what we're expecting of them. I was thinking too, if you notice a difference with maybe like officiant officiants, meaning this is all they do is just weddings mostly versus like a pastor or a rabbi or someone that leads a congregation or, you know, a church or what have you. So wedding officiants are very process oriented. So they have all the steps they need to carry out. It actually makes our job easier because even if I say, Hey, I'm going to hold on to the marriage license, they may say, well, that's fine. I need a copy or let's do this. Or, and then if I talk through the process, if I don't talk through the process, they'll start to run the show, but wedding officiants make it very easy church pastors, priests, all of that, usually have a secretary or someone who manages the process for them. So I may not even speak to them until the rehearsal because all the communication goes to another person. So it's much easier with someone where their primary job is a wedding officiant, whereas um, they may be the pastor of a church. And also, a lot of times if they're the pastor of a church, especially if they're old school, they're very stuck in their ways. And, um, you know, well, we always do this. You hear that a lot. And so now you have a lot of couples who are trying to make a wedding their own again. And this is where a planner has to be an advocate. It's a little bit of a, you know, you're bumping heads because it makes, especially an older pastor uncomfortable because things are always very regimented. And now somebody's coming in and you're like, wait, she wants to stand over here. Well, our couples, all brides always stand on this side or they want to do this now. Well, we, we usually only have this type of music. And so just guiding them through it. And that's where we have to advocate for the couple so that they can feel like they're being heard, but also that the officiant doesn't feel like we're turning this into a circus per se also. Makes a lot of sense. All right. When it comes to the couple, I'm sure you have discovered that there is something that is actually their responsibility and not yours. Can you share a few of those examples? One of the things I always say, you know, you know, making sure that you inform your family, make sure that you communicate the information that we provide to your family, paying your bills. All everything that needs to be paid to the vendors is the responsibility of the couple, unless you have an agreement with the planner. And there are times where we may have an agreement where we will, um, uh, the couple will pay us and we pay out because there needs to be a bigger chunk of money going out pretty early. Definitely paying the bill, make, making sure that their family is informed unless they share that information. When it's time for us to share the information we do, but making sure that, and then making sure that, um, and this is a is bigger than a, making sure that um, the traditions that need to be carried out are communicated to their vendors. Let us know what's important to your family because we can ask, and that means you got to go have a communication conversation with your family. And I say this to all our couples, Catholic, Jewish, you name it, because people will say, oh, we haven't been to mass in 20 years. I'm like, yeah, but your parents are about to get real Catholic with something about weddings that amp up religious traditions or cultural traditions, things that you haven't practiced in a long time, all of a sudden become important. 
So it is the it is the responsibility of the couple to talk to their family and figure out what's a must have, what has to happen, so that we can know because communication is everything. We can't read their minds. And then the biggest thing, another thing, is letting us know what they love and what they don't. If something isn't going well, um, let us know. That is their job. And then to be happy and get married. So there we go. Perfect. Perfect. What are some other misconceptions about planners? Biggest one is that we're going to spend all your money. You know, people think people are so afraid to tell us what their budget is sometimes because we're going to spend it all. And the truth is more than likely you didn't come to the table with enough. So we were going to spend it. You were going to spend it regardless because nobody knows how much a wedding costs until you're really into it. Weddings are expensive. It's like designing a house or building a home or buying um, a custom anything. It, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, when people say, well, I don't want to tell them what my budget is because they'll spend it all. Like you are missing the point. If you don't give us all the information, we can't take care of you. And that means we can't help you find vendors. Like you can say, well, my budget is, we'll say $10,000, but I really only want to spend eight. That is better information than telling me my budget is six, but you really have 10 to spend because nothing is worse than we were like, wait a second, I thought they didn't have that money. And then it's all, you know, because we're pushing to keep it at six. And if you want something more, then we're not going to come bring it to the table because we didn't even know that funds were available. Let us know what your budget is. Trust your vendors. We're not here to steal from you. We're here to help create this dream that you, or this, this event, this milestone event for you. And the biggest thing is we won't know how to take care of you if we don't have all the information. So um, when you have that conversation with your vendors, be very open and clear about your fears, about your budget, because people with the biggest budget still have a budget. So it's nothing about, we're not poo-pooing if you have less money. Sometimes it, we, we do our best work when we're stretched to be creative with a smaller budget. Um, but we have to know what's going on um, when um, when you meet with us about what you need. Now, am I going to say your wedding isn't going to be expensive? Weddings are expensive. They're labor intensive. But allow us to explain that to you instead of thinking, oh, she's going to spend it all. And that's it. So that's the biggest misconception. And if you watch a lot of TV, Wedding planners are like caricatures. We're these overbearing, mm -hmm. dramatic people who don't listen. Um, I think of Frank with um, um, what was that uh, that movie that with Steve with Steve Martin. Um, I can't think of it, but whenever I, I see, know what you're talking about, yeah. Whenever I see Frank, I'm always like, oh, we're not like Frank, you know. You know, he's even a little insulting and condescending, and most of your planners aren't like that. Or the first Sex in the City movie when Anthony was the wedding planner, he was horrible. And I'm like, come on, how do you not have the phone number for the groom? And, right. or, or things like that. And so that is another example of somebody who's acting as the wedding planner and they're, they're not. They've been almost turned into a caricature and not a professional that you would hire for your day. Because they're always frazzled. They're always running around barking orders at people. They mm -hmm. have a whole team of people and they got the little earpiece and the clipboard and they're running around. Yes. And it's like, that is not the reality. <laughs> yeah, jumping the broom. Yeah, jumping the broom. Yeah. She's walk she's always nervous. And, yeah. And, 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 yeah, that's, that, you know, no. It's not a, we, no, it's not a planner, not a professional planner. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time we got our stuff together and we're looking at other people like, look at them. So we're not the ones that, <laughs> you know, caught up. We're the ones trying to bring other people down, you know, to bring the temperatures down so everybody can 
chill out and enjoy the day. So yeah, but they make it seem like we're all wound up. Mm-hmm. Yes. You also make me want to watch Father of the Bride because I love that movie growing up. Yeah, you just like unlock the core memories. <laughs> so I'm going to find that and I'm going to watch it yeah. by the weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so our final question is, what is something that you want more brides, grooms, and marriers to know? You know, I would say I think couples need... Uh, I know how old I'm going to sound. They got to let letting social media guide their wishes and dreams. I think um, people get so caught up on um, the Instagram moment or is my wedding Instagrammable? Will my wedding go viral? That they're forgetting that this is a milestone moment that they will look back on 10 years from now And some of those things that mattered now that were stuff for the web or for the gram won't even matter. You know, I, I tell couples that this isn't even your best day. This isn't even going to be your best day that you're going to have even better days in your marriage. This is going to be a good one, but it won't be the best. And, and so don't, don't get so caught up on what other people are doing. Mute your friends on social media if, you, if they're getting married at the same time, because it's going to zap your creativity. It's going to steal your joy. And you're going to find yourself wanting to do things so people can be ooing and eyeing, as opposed to feeling the love that you have for this person that you're promising God that you're going to marry and and be with for the rest of your life. And that's the part that will mean something. And if you really want to put your money into part of the wedding that has the best effect 10, 20 years from now, food and music, you know, you'll hear people 10 years from now say, man, they had the best band. I danced all night at that wedding. Or Boy, that that food was hidden. That was great food. Or that bar, they had a premium bar. See, those are things people talk about 15, 10 years later down when, when your wedding comes up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and your photographer. Yes. Your photographer, with, without a doubt, because that's your legacy. You know, and I tell that to our couples when couples say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to use somebody, on, you know, coming up. I'm like, mm-mm. You want to use somebody who's still coming up, use them for your shower. But you get the best photographer you photographer you can for the for the money you have. Because when you are gone and your kids are packing up all your belongings and deciding what pictures they're going to keep, it's going to be baby pictures, wedding pictures, and maybe like your retirement pictures or something. But wedding pictures will always be in there. That's what people will have on the wall 20 years after you're gone. And so those are the things that will matter, not whether or not you had, you know, that 24, 36 hours of going viral on Instagram. That's so fleeting as well, because as soon as one couple or wedding or what have you goes viral, two seconds later, something else is going viral. Absolutely. A lot of times when things go viral, when it's wedding related, sometimes it's not good either. So no, yeah. Yeah. But even if it was good, I tell our couples, literally next time somebody's wedding go viral, pay attention to how long it was. It's usually about 36 hours. Yeah. And if I was off the internet for that weekend, I'm going to miss it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Those moments go by so quickly as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Ooh. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. All right. Now we're going to move into wedding vendor love. Kwanya, Mm -hmm. who would you like to shout out this week? Okay. So first, Latrice Penn with La Penn Designs. I've known her since 2008. She, she always chuckles when I bring this up. She created the birthday party invitations because, you know, I'm an event planner. I got to throw some good parties for my kid. And she did the invitations and I, 
And from that point on, we've been working together on weddings. And and I just, I love how hard she works, how much she cares. And she's very talented. She's based in Michigan. So definitely Latrice Penn. And if I can share someone here in Virginia, Flower Guy Braun, you know him. Um, I will tell you, we just worked with him the, for the first time this year. And the care he took and our couple from the, just in even how he spoke and how his team showed up, how they were on the day of, I thought I would work with this brother every wedding if I could, um, even if the flowers were crappy, but they weren't, they were amazing because of the care he gave our couple. And that just goes, as I've said before, makes such a huge difference in the type of people that you want to surround yourself with. And I'm going to shout out a fellow planner because, you know, sometimes we have to speak a sister's name, you know, and I, and I, um, and here in DC, there is a sister. Um, her name is Mahalia Jessup. She is probably one of the most creative sisters I've ever worked with. I mean, I've never worked with whose work I've seen, and I'm always in awe. And sometimes I don't always think people see, like she has a great following on social media, but I just want to make sure I I spoke her name because she has a beautiful spirit. Her work is flawless. And it's when we speak of that creativity, that planner who's a designer, she's the epitome of that right there. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we've had uh, Braun on back in 2020. Yeah. He was one of our first guests. We absolutely love him. And uh, yeah, um, Mahalia, right? She. Uh-huh. I um, think I was following her, like saw her on TikTok last year. And I was just like, her work is amazing. She's one of those people that you look at and you're thinking, okay, my brain doesn't work like that. Right. You know, and those are the planners. That's a designer to me. Somebody who, where you bring something to the table and they create something completely different from what you had, Mm -hmm. that's a designer. And when you ask about the planners who are also designers, she's a perfect example of that. For sure. I yeah. remember her, um, I think her baby shower, how she pulled that together was just like. I was there. And I oh, really? Yeah. And it I, looks so beautiful. Yeah. And it was so creative. So creative. So, yeah, that was, but that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of, of somebody who she just did, I think she did a birthday party where it was like all ballerina Swan Lake or something. And the little girls drew pictures. And mm-hmm. I was like, my brain isn't working like that. <laughs> I, have work, I have to work really hard to eke out some of that creativity, but it seems like it just flows out of her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love people like that in our industry yeah. because, um, uh, the you know, it just makes me so proud. I've been around a long time. I look at a lot of people like that's what I see um, the future of our industry. And it, and it gives me um, great pride to see all the what they're doing. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you for that. Uh, final thing we're going to ask is where can the people find you for anyone that was listening that has enjoyed this conversation that wants to inquire about your services or just kind of know any and everything that you have going on? Well, thank you. So mm-hmm. on social media, we are at Howard and Wooten. So Facebook, TikTok, and X and Instagram, uh, all the, and thread, all those places were at Howerton Wooten. I also offer education and coaching services to other wedding vendors. And that's all that falls under at the enlightened creative. And then our the Howerton Wooten events website, which is the most important thing, I guess I should have mentioned that is hwevents.com. 
Perfect, perfect. And of course, we will link to this, um, to all of those places. So thank people you. can easily get to you. So again, thank you. Thank you yes. for chatting with us, for dealing with technical difficulties and yeah. all of those things. But you gave us so much. I kind of wish I could go back in time and take the knowledge from this episode. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I might have done a few things differently, but I'll keep it in mind if we do a vow renewal. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you. And you know, just so you know, that's the thing about weddings. Don't even look back anymore. Yeah. The only thing you look back and say, man, I look good. And then you just keep moving because you yeah. will nitpick. Mm-hmm. You will uh-huh. nitpick because there's so many details tied to a wedding. So you sure. will, you can, it's easy to be your own Monday morning quarterback. So that's a piece of advice I should have given on a wedding. <laughs> just let it go. It happened. It's beautiful. You move on to the next milestone event. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Have Bye. a great week, everyone. Don't forget to follow us everywhere you can. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even YouTube. You can find us at H-U-I-D-O-W-E-D, which is who I do wed. Or at Hue I Do Pod, which is H U E I D O P O D, on pretty much any of those platforms. In addition to that, if you want to know more about any of the amazing wedding vendors we've shouted out, or any of the really cool wedding vendors we've had on the show as guests, or just some awesome wedding vendors in general that maybe you don't know of, head to find.huidu.com. There, you're going to find over 600 wedding vendors that can help take you to your happily ever after. And no matter where you listen to Hue I Do, if you could, please leave us a review. It will help other bride-to-be's and other people in the wedding planning space find a podcast that speaks to them as much as Hue I Do speaks to you.